This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Today, our topic is resilience, and it is so important for us to finally understand what this word means. Um, Resilience is, you know, the learned capacity to cope with any level of adversity from a series of small annoyances to the struggles and sorrows that could break our hearts. Uh, Resilience is essential, though, for us to survive and thrive in this world that's full of troubles and tragedies and completely trainable and recoverable when we know how to do it. Um, Today, I am so lucky to be joined by Linda Graham, a psychotherapist and author of the book Resilience, which explains how we can develop resilience um, in our brains, our lives, and kind of how to look at it in a different way so that we can learn what it's here to teach us. So Linda, welcome to the show. So happy to have you with us today. And Erica, thank you for having me with you today. I'm going to enjoy this. Yes, yes, me too, because this is a subject matter that I um, have been talking about all summer. I've been doing these self-care workshops um, for different uh, corporate uh, companies, and one of the things that a lot of companies want their employees to work on is their resiliency. <laughs> so this comes from right, so course. many so many different angles and uh, demographics of, you know, it could be in the corporate world at work. It could be um, at home getting through personal matters. Um, it could be, you know, trying to start a company and failing. I mean, it, there's just, there's so many people out there that have to kind of, I think, make friends with the word and understand what it means to them. Right. So I teach that resilience is really foundational, whatever the stressor, whether it's losing a job, losing a home, mm-hmm losing a relationship, losing your health, mm-hmm. whatever the stressor is, resilience is really foundational to being able to meet those challenges with some mm-hmm. level of skill and adaptability. Yeah, I love that. So so if we could build the foundation of resiliency, if anything comes up or if anything and everything, we are more able to bounce back from it or understand it. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. And What is important is that those capacities can be learned. Resilience is innate in our being because it's innate in our brain. And when we learn how to harness the capacities of responding flexibly, being able to shift gears and shift perspective, then we can be more resilient more quickly and more reliably. Exactly. And so, so I mean, I have so many, gosh, questions and not even questions, but it moments moments that um I could think of recently that you know I had uh, my father had a heart attack recently um, and he's resiliently bounced back but with obviously a lot of emotional um, and mental kind of um, recovery and you know I think a lot of people don't understand too that you know everything is connected our minds our bodies our spirits and so we have to see resiliency I think from that perspective too it's not just I'm going to get up and nothing bothers me about this and I don't have to you know reflect or process things I think it's a lot of resilient a lot of people that are resilient do have a capacity to process is would you say that's part of it well, what I, what I try to teach in the book is that we recover and build our resilience from the bottom up because that's how mm-hmm. the brain does it. So we start with somatic, body-based, our physiological right. responses 
to stress mm-hmm. or to danger. And so learning how to regulate the nervous system so that we're not mm-hmm. in fight flight and we're not numbed out or collapsed. And then right. the emotional intelligence of being able to manage the feelings that come up because they do. We're human beings. Our feelings mm-hmm. are simply signals to say, pay attention. This is important. And then drawing on the relational intelligence skills of believing in ourselves, having other people help us and the mm-hmm. reflective intelligence. Can I see clearly? What's mm-hmm. happening and my reactions to what's happening so I can mm-hmm. choose something different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're all exactly. tied together. They are tied together. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit about how, how you came to write the book? So I'm a, I've been a psychotherapist for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And what I work with my clients a lot is helping them cope with stressors Mm -hmm. in their life, with any trauma in their life, past or current, and helping them find their own strengths, but also helping them believe that they can find their strengths and cultivate them so that they can see themselves as a resilient person. They begin to feel more empowered in meeting life's challenges. So it really came out of all of those years of experience of working with people on that journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So building a different identity. So if you're somebody that, you know, I'm in the, I, I counsel and teach groups and I write books um, around the world of recovery, uh, addiction recovery and just mm-hmm. recovery in general. And, you know, I see, I see this a lot that um, I think people that have sustainable recovery, in my opinion, change how they see themselves like identity wise. And that's what you're talking about is to see mm-hmm. that I, I am a capable man or woman. I'm a healthy man or woman. I do these, um, you know, I do these honorable things now. My values are this or that, you know, and it's it's really important because if you're if you were in a darker place or if you're in a place of dependency or a place of shame for a long time, our behaviors somehow get caught up with what we think who we think we are in terms of our identity. So I think it is important mm-hmm. to kind of understand that we do need to create um, a new idea about ourselves. And and I would like to ask mm-hmm. you this, but I think the only way to see who you are is through a contrast, right? To like have experiences to, um, you know, begin to work with a therapist. I mean, it's just something to kind of shed some light on the fact that we can overcome even if you've never you know you've you've never been a really strong person before you do have it in you so how do we begin to work with people that are let's say beaten down a little bit and haven't had the chance to recover right so what you're talking about in terms of identity we could also talk about in terms of narrative because we are yes. so influenced by the stories we tell about ourselves or mm-hmm. hear from other people about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we begin to change that narrative as you're talking about having a contrast by having experiences mm-hmm. that give us a different narrative. And so when we're able to see that we can bounce back, we're able to see that we can be kind and compassionate, we're able to see that we can make our own decisions. When we have different experiences, we can create a different narrative of ourselves. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. thing is, having different experiences creates changes in the brain, not just in the stories that we tell about ourselves, but in the brain being able to create those stories. So part Mm -hmm. of the narrative would be able to hold the whole life story. There have been dark times. There have been experiences of shame or fear or anger, but that's only part of who I am. There are all these other qualities and traits and experiences that are also part of who I am. And the narrative ties it all together so that being resilient is not at all about being perfect. It's never about being perfect. It's about 
taking a hold of the possibilities that we have of doing things differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Beautifully said. Yeah. And and I and I love that you're able to shed light on the fact that these narratives are very real <laughs> and they exist. Um, mm-hmm. I have a new I have a new book coming out in a couple of weeks um, called The Rewired Life. And oh. it's all about our narratives um, around uh-huh. different subject matters like sleep and exercise and nutrition and relationships and communication and love. Um, because I, I, I truly think sometimes people are so patterned in terms of their thinking that they don't see that the story you're telling yourself may not be serving you any longer. And um, where did it come from? And okay, it came from here. We can forgive and move on or we can understand and move on or however we need to deal with it. But um, I love that you brought up that word because I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're talking about changing well, first of all, even perceiving the patterns in our thinking and mm-hmm. then changing those patterns in our thinking. We're really talking about rewiring the circuitry in the brain that supports yes. those yeah. thoughts, that supports those perceptions and responses. Right. So the exercises that I'm offering in the book yeah, are all yeah. tended to strengthen the part of our brain that can do that rewiring. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, yeah, the the book itself is a brilliant book. I really have enjoyed it. Um, there's so much information here. I was just looking this morning that emotions are contagious. And um, I, I, you know, this is one piece of this chapter on emotional intelligence, but emotions are contagious. I think, you know, we need to be mindful of that, too, because a lot of people I see day to day that I counsel, um, don't realize the impact of the environments that they live in, the people that surround them, um, the jobs they have, and and to kind of figure out why the stress is coming up. Why do I feel uncomfortable? Where's anxiety coming from? You know, I, I, I think it's important for people to pause and, and ask themselves this and build build the emotional intelligence um, around what's going on in their lives and who who's affecting them, in a sense. So we're, you know, we're hardwired in our biology to pick up other people's emotions, to understand them, to feel them. It's the basis of empathy Mm -hmm. and attunement and compassion and connection. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to understand and feel what other people are feeling, but to know that someone else could be feeling something, we could be feeling something different, they are a separate person from us, and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. So we use capacity to empathize with so, with what someone else is experiencing. But as one of my teachers, Phil Moffat, says, we want to be affected but not infected. Okay. And so how so do we do attention. that? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's this, the, what I was just talking about is called the theory of mind. You are you and I am me. And you mm-hmm. can be having your thoughts and feelings and beliefs and I can be having my thoughts and feelings and beliefs. And we are two separate people. And mm-hmm. that's Okay, so to be able to distinguish the difference, it doesn't mean I don't care, it doesn't mean that I'm not connected or engaged, mm-hmm. but to know that we're having <clears throat> different perceptions of reality. When we get mm-hmm. that sense of differentiation, then we can stand in our own center, we can appreciate and respect someone else's center without being sucked into the vortex. And that's mm-hmm. really important. Emotions are powerful. They can take mm-hmm. over. Um, if we don't have a way to step back and get some perspective on it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of people that have, you know, high stress jobs or they're in work environments where they take on their boss's stress or their husband's stress or their wife's stress. And, you know, depending on your personal life, um, I, I do think it's important to try and learn how to compartmentalize that, like you're saying, or, um, you know, understand that, you know, there's a saying in recovery, it's like, nobody can make you feel something. And that's kind of, you know, people can make you feel bad, but you, you choose, it's like how you choose to entertain those thoughts. Is that's that, right. So one of the things right? that I often teach from my colleague, Frankie Perez, how you respond to the issue is the issue. Mm-hmm. So how mm-hmm. you respond to someone else's emotions, that's what you have some choice over. That's what you right. have some control over. So I'm really trying to cultivate that sense of response ability and response flexibility mm-hmm. so that people, they perceive what's happening, they perceive how they're reacting to what's happening, and then they can choose how they want mm-hmm. to respond. Yeah, that's so much more empowering, right? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And so uh, just another question, because I've been looking through your book since I got it. Very happy to have it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the 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 word failure um, I, I hear a lot and it and it seems to be something in our culture where it's very difficult for people to um, feel like failure is uh, something that we can learn from, something that we can, um, you know, see as a strength instead of a weakness and like have courage that you failed and get back up versus, you know, oh, this is the end of the world and catastrophize something. And I know failure and resiliency seem to be, to me at least, cousins or somehow related. <laughs> um, do we so I think the be, bridge, I think yeah. the, the transition between failure and resiliency is what can I learn? What can I learn? Right. Even if right. I or other people characterize this as a failure, what can I learn? What could I do mm-hmm. different next time? And that's what turns it into something redeemable, what the neuroscience writer Jonah Lehrer calls mm-hmm. turning a regrettable moment into a teachable moment. And that's yeah. what's really key. If we can learn from our experience, that's what builds our resilience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. You know, I I don't know if it's a, a problem in our culture, but I I remember I took a trip many years ago to um, Israel, and I was it was like a think tank uh, organization that I went with, and then and I had never been, and I saw different facets of the country, and I remember being with. Um, some bankers and for them saying that they don't give loans out to new companies unless they've seen that they have failed a couple times. You know that they don't, they don't that they don't want to give money or loans to people. I mean, they would, if you have a great idea, obviously, and you could show, um, you know, you could show some evidence that you'll be successful, they may give it to you first time. But they said, most likely, we are more prone to give it to people that have, that have gotten up after failing, after starting a company and failing, because we want to see their character and we want to see their resilience is literally what they said. And I thought it was so fascinating and it stuck with me ever since because um, I don't see that kind of... Um, message, you know, in our culture sometimes. And so it's just interesting that some countries run on different belief systems. Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking about someone's identity or someone's narrative. And does yeah. someone see themselves as a failure or do they see themselves as someone who learns from their mistakes? You know, there's the mm-hmm. phrase, learning from your AFCO is another frickin' growth opportunity. But if you can <laughs> see, this is the growth, this is the growth mindset. 
that Carol Dweck talks about. If you can see a mistake or a failure as an opportunity to try again, to learn something different, to develop your own strengths and skills, then the narrative is not that you were a failure or made a mistake. The the narrative is you learned from your mistake and you turned it Mm -hmm. into an opportunity. It's a different Mm -hmm. narrative. Mhm mhm. And 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 just another quick question is so what if somebody has like a health diagnosis or um has had an accident or has had, you know, like you know, they've been diagnosed with something. I mean, there there's so much that that goes on um that comes out of the blue for us and sometimes throws us off our path. What can you what can you advise people to do in terms of like uh, you know, not only seeking the the lesson, but how can we begin to reframe these experiences that are coming at us as like, you know, I'm supposed to learn something here. I I should look at this in a more um, curious way instead of resisting it. You know, is there anything that we could do mentally? Well, I think you you practice. What I teach in the book a lot is that the brain changes best little and often when we have small experiences and we repeat them many times. So if we're trying trying to train ourselves to find the gift in the mistake, to look for the positive even in the midst of a tragedy, to find some lessons learned in something that was difficult, we begin with small examples um, and then build up to things that are larger, that are much harder. Because mm-hmm. behavioral scientists are saying that there's three elements that contribute to our resilience. One is the severity of the stressor. It's going to be different if you're involved in a fender bender than if you are in a car accident that has an injury, let mm-hmm. alone a car accident where you cause the death of a child. So the severity of the stressor is a factor. But so is the resources that we have to pull on our family, friends, financial, medical. And the third is the strength, the qualities, the capacities that we have within ourselves. And that's where we have some choice and some control. Can I find something positive, redeemable, learnable mm-hmm. from what happened? And in fact, one of the hallmarks of what they call post-traumatic growth, coming mm-hmm. through a trauma and coming out the other side to a sense of new opportunity or new meaning or purpose or a new sense of community, is this is what I appreciate because of what happened. Not in spite of it, but because mm, of it. Yeah. If it hadn't happened, I might not have had these other opportunities. So it's yeah. that yeah. framework is yeah. part of our yeah. being resilient. I love that. That's brilliant. Yeah. I think that's that's very important to hear for people. That's really great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, another thing that you do touch upon is um, the practices of relational intelligence with others. Um, can you talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit? Yeah, you know, um, we are hardwired to seek connection with other people, to seek belonging. Mm-hmm. We are social beings and we have a social brain. But sometimes we have experiences in life where we have felt hurt or betrayed by people. And so we become wary of trusting people and mm-hmm. and going to them as refuges or resources when we need to be resilient. So I've tried to provide a lot of skills in that section of the book that would help people rebuild their trust in themselves in relationship mm-hmm. and the trust of other people in relationship. Mm-hmm. So very practical tools of how to set a limit and a boundary, how to negotiate change, how to repair a rupture, so that people can actually experience again mm-hmm. themselves resilient 
in relationships so that they're able to use the resources of relationships. Mm -hmm. And what about um, in terms of relationships, like past, I think, past narratives around certain issues, like if you have had a parent leave or you have a fear of abandonment or trust or, um, you know, you have your own core injuries of I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable enough, I'm not successful enough, I'm not this enough. You know, how do we begin to overcome those things in terms of changing what quality of relationships we attract? Well, so first we want to recover our own inner secure base of resilience. Mm -hmm. So if we have experiences of being abandoned or being hurt by other people. And Betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah feel unlovable or unworthy. It's changing our relationship to ourself. That's the relational mm -hmm. intelligence within. So mm -hmm. that we come we come out of that shame, fear, unlovability into a sense of strength and acceptance, mm -hmm. appreciation of who we are, all of who we are. And very often we come back to that inner secure base of resilience by other people now loving us, caring about us, being loyal, being respectful. We, we use the positive that we can get in relationship with a partner, with a therapist, with a coach, with a good friend to be able to recover that inner secure base. One of the quotes that I'm very fond of quoting actually from my mentor, Diana Fosha, the roots of resilience are to be found in the felt sense of being held in the mind and heart of an empath empathic, attuned, and self-possessed other. So mm. we can recover resilience when we experience ourselves being seen and valued and cared about. Yeah, absolutely. Relationships, therapy, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think, you know, I, 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 I'm so happy you shed light on that because I would love everybody to seek relationships or have at least one in their lives that is based around that. Um, and, and, not everybody's as lucky to find some so, someone or something like that. And if you and if you're if you're not feeling like you're getting that kind of attunement, I think it is important to um, seek out new relationships or to seek out new support or new therapist or you know whatever it is. It's to keep looking and keep you know keep your heart open to that. Well, very often people can begin to find that kind of relationship again if they have a loving relationship with a pet, mm -hmm. if and a lot of time in nature, mm -hmm. if they mm -hmm. have work that is meaningful and purposeful for them. So there are there are bridges. There good to are know. To being yeah. able to up with people again. Right. That's very good to know. And and like you said too, I you know, if if, if you are if, if there's something that you're afraid of in terms of, let's say, of self-betrayal, learning how to not betray yourself is key first. Learning how to have positive self-regard or to stop any negative behaviors, which is basically self-betrayal, would be helpful, right, in order to believe that other people are capable of that as well. Right. And it's important to, yes, take care of ourselves. Yeah. Mindful self-compassion is a practice that can be very, very helpful for that because mm -hmm. sometimes we we don't feel good about ourselves. We criticize ourselves. And to have yeah. the compassion, may I be kind, may I accept myself, bringing mm -hmm. that kind of caring, loving presence to ourselves so that we can then turn around and offer it to other people. 
That's wonderful. That's so wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I, I, I really have enjoyed your book. Not I mean enjoyed it. Loved your book. And it's it's a beautiful it's beautifully written practices. Um so many practices, powerful practices. Um it's called resilience. And the subtitle is Powerful Practices for Bouncing Back from Disappointment, Difficulty, and Even Disaster. Linda Graham. So can you tell everyone where to find you, find the book, how to reach out if they need to? Okay. So my website is lindagraham-mft, M as in Mary, F as in Frank, Mm -hmm. P as in dot net. So lindagraham-mft dot net. And on the website are... um, audio recordings from the book. There's interviews with other experts on resilience. There's the archive Fantastic. of weekly on resources for recovering resilience. And there's the calendar where I do my teaching and training. So all of those resources are free and easily downloadable for people. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you're in the Bay Area? I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I grew up there and I'm and I'm always up there. So it's that's good to know. Very good to know. Uh, okay. Thank you, Linda, so much for coming on today and shedding light on this very important subject matter. Thank you, Erica, for your good questions that allowed us to explore. <laughs> well, I could talk to you more and more, which hopefully maybe we'll, 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 be, we'll have another chance to do so in the future. I would like that. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Stay well.